Well, welcome everybody to episode 36 of the Blow Off Valve podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. And there was no Formula One race this week, so we're going to catch up on some car news. There was uh, quite a bit of uh, automotive news coming out of the IAA uh, car show in Munich uh, a week or two ago uh, that we'll catch up on. But uh, I wanted to touch on um, a local event, actually, um, that uh, I went to on Saturday. Uh, Tucker, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it, but I I was sending him some pictures, and um, there's a a independent shop called Imola Motorsports in the Twin Cities who do a lot of the high-end stuff up in the cities. They're, they have the diagnostic equipment to work on Lamborghinis. They work on Ferraris, Bugattis. They've done the detailing and PPF on, uh, as far as I know, the only Koenigsegg up in the Twin Cities. Uh, and so there was a uh, 12th anniversary open house event which was a uh, pretty uh, pretty incredible show, actually. Uh, so <laughs> it was absolutely packed. Their, their shop is not very big. And they basically took over multiple parking lots around, the, around mm. their shop. And they had specific parking for, you know, the Porsche area, the, you know, Euro area with the BMWs and Audis and Mercedes, the... JDM area, the American Muscle area, and uh, you know there was kind of the typical stuff you'd expect to see, but uh, there were two different Ford GTs. Oh, there wow. was yeah, uh, both both the new one uh, as well as the the like the 2005 version sure. as well. Um, both in kind of a tungsten silver, which is really really hmm. good looking. They had a, a specific roped off area for kind of like the highest of the high end stuff, uh, which I'll touch on, but it was kind of, I kind of had a funny, um, experience with my nine eleven. So when I was coming in, I saw three nine elevens, uh, leaving and mm. it was packed. So I was like, Oh man, they're already like out of space. Like I'm going to go out to park in like the regular lot. And I pull in and, uh, it's like these, two young guys that are kind of directing traffic a bit and mm-hmm. they're like oh i think there's still a spot uh i think there's still a spot for you up in the porsche area and i was like okay so i go up there and there's there's like one spot left that i think they're holding for something because the the, sure. the 911s that left were like you know carrera 4s and like they were very they got nice the boot. they yeah. got the boot and and so i think well, they're kind of saving the room spe- for the, yeah yeah, That's so there's cool. yeah, it was it was sweet. There were um uh there was me and one other GT3 RS there, 992, 991.2. There was a 991.1 GT3 RS mm-hmm. and then a uh a handful of nine of uh 991 GT3s that all uh were pretty sweet, including this one that was almost like a Bordeaux red. It had to be paint to sample. It was really beautiful. That's um, cool. Nice. So choice. it was yeah, it was a really cool collection of Porsches there, but the kind of the headline um, was in this roped off area. So they had um, a Ferrari Monza SP2 that was black with a red interior and had like a wow. red stripe on the hood. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, it was pretty sweet. There was an Aventador SVG Roadster, the green one that I think <laughs> you and I saw up at Cars and Coffee. Yeah. <clears throat> there was. 
uh, a Bugatti Veyron uh, uh, Vitesse. So hmm. the the convertible version or the T-top, the I guess, kind of version. Cool. That's cool. The Bugatti Devo that was at the other Cars and Coffee uh, was there. Oops. He's, uh, I think, the guy that owns the 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 Grand Vitesse uh, Veyron, mm-hmm. I think he also, I think he owns a Chiron and that Devo. Um, what a monomaniac. Well, he's also the one that owns the Koenigsegg. Koenigsegg. So, okay. yeah, I don't know who it is, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It must be nice having a you know at least twelve million dollars <laughs> yeah. spread out among four cars. Um, so, but the highlight for me was there was a, a Singer nine eleven that I had oh. seen before in like a a dark kind of gray yeah. silver color, really beautiful. But what I didn't, I knew that Bugatti Devo was going to be there, and I knew some of this other stuff. But there was a Singer DLS there. And huh, yeah, that, for those, insane. yeah, yeah, for those of you that don't know what a Singer DLS is, so Singer basically takes old Porsches, 964s mostly, and kind of resto mods them essentially. It, it takes the car and kind of updates the suspension, tweaks the engine, um, j- but everything's done to just an incredibly fine detail. I mean, they're the basically the best looking version of that Porsche you could get. And Singer decided to team up to create the DLS, which is the dynamics and lightweight study is what DLS stands for. And they took a 964 and basically redid the whole thing. The entire exterior body is carbon fiber. Um, the engine was, was developed in conjunction with Williams engineering of F1 e. Williams fame. Um, you know, uh, Recaro seats, Brembo brakes, like I, just everything you want. Man. Yeah. Just, so they're building, they're only building 75 of them. They're 1.8 million a piece. And this, this specific car I saw at Goodwood on wow. the Goodwood Festival of Speed coverage. It was one of the two DLS oh, that Singer brought to Goodwood. Um, so. I had I know there's I knew there was a guy with a singer in the Twin Cities. I'd seen pictures of it before. Um, my guess or assumption is that this guy also was able to get in on that list for DLS, and it was absolutely stunning. I mean, yeah, I I, the Devo's more money. Like, there's other stuff that was more money there, but this was hands down. If I win the lottery, like I'm getting one of these. Like, it was just stunning. You know, the most interesting thing about, for me, I mean, mm-hmm. I love all of that super cool, but what I'm really fascinated by is, you know, something I learned in the past, must have been two years or maybe three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed in college, I don't know when I stumbled on them or what, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed a bunch of music by Catherine Wheel. Mm-hmm. And I black metallic i mean there's a few songs that just i just loved i don't know why but mm-hmm. i stumbled across this well it turns out the man behind singers rob dickinson right and he's the he former songwriter and lead singer in the band of Catherine wheel yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was yeah. just like 
on that auto. It's like, what yeah. in that? <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That I didn't thing? remember what band he was in, but I knew he was a former, like, like yeah. singer and, and music <laughs> What artist. a maniac, man. Yeah. I mean, to not only be like a rock star, but then yeah. also create this automotive company that is just beyond the pale yeah and <laughs> i mean you think insane. about you think about singer as a company and what it's done you know i i would argue that porsche fanatics yeah. probably rival ferrari fanatics in terms of purist mentality like you can't you don't modify them keep you know keep them especially old porsches you know new porsches people have, don't really care quite as much i don't think but most people, it's it's why the the RWB Porsches are such a controversial topic. It's like, oh, you're you're cutting up old yeah, Porsches, exactly. modifying them. Yeah, yeah. And he managed to do this at such a high level that not only did people not mind yeah. he was doing it, but I they think not an approval. <laughs> yeah, I think for most people, they look at it and say, "This is the ultimate." I even saw um, Andreas Preuninger, the head of the GT program at Porsche. He uh-huh actually was in a DLS I saw on his Instagram and he had taken it for a drive and he said, this is just amazing. Like this is, you know, so, I mean, everyone across the board says this is, this is as good as it gets. And, uh, well, yeah. And I, such an amazing thing to see when you, when I didn't expect it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't remember which, episode or uh, issue of the road rat it was but they had this oh, you know, issue it was the last one it was like series yeah. seven or episode or okay. issue seven yeah and they did kind of a deep dive on the on the singer and mm-hmm. uh it's just fascinating because you know obviously these individuals are well off you know mm-hmm. to be able to even get access to this and get in line because there's a yeah. bunch of maniacs it's all it's like a bunch of big fish in a big yeah. pond <laughs> yeah. fighting over this stuff Right. And I just remember him mentioning, you know, at a cocktail party where people are talking about, you know, the the Bugatti they have or the mm-hmm. Ferrari they have. And then when you get asked, what do you have? And you say you have a singer. All of a sudden, everybody l- looks over like, and oh. wants to know more. Like, yeah. what was that like? Like, yeah, yeah it's intriguing. It, it reminds um, me of the quote from Gone in 60 Seconds when Nicolas Cage goes to the Ferrari dealer. And he uh, is like kind of impersonating a new well-to-do guy in town. And he says, you know, he points at, I think it was like an F430. And he's like, yes, yes, I saw three of these outside the Starbucks. He's like, (laughs) so he's like, I don't want to be a self-indulgent wiener. But if I had a Ferrari 275 GTB4 cam, I would be, and the salesman's like, you would be a connoisseur, sir. (laughs) And and that's... That's that's the thing. Like anyone, yeah. anyone non-car people know the name Ferrari. They know the name Lamborghini. Yeah. N- no one that's not a car person knows what the hell a singer is. So to me, it's the ultimate sleeper. I, <laughs> I agree. You drive around in a singer, not the DLS necessarily, but a regular, like a quote-unquote regular singer. That's a at auction at least. That's a million-dollar car. And it's a normal 911 to anyone that doesn't exactly. really know, you know. But but to, to to an enthusiast, you see that centered that center fuel filler cap on the hood, and you know it's a singer. 
and it's like oh my god oh my you know? god i can't believe i just saw that yeah in it's, the wild yeah it those exactly. still out of all the crazy stuff that's shown up to cars and coffee or whatever like that yeah. to me gets me yeah. the most because it, it's what i love about it's 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 a manual transmission the dls is a 500 horsepower flat six that revs to nine you know it's just everything it's it's not meant to be the fastest thing at at the track it's meant to be the most engaging car um yeah, and i love that i absolutely yeah. love that so Super anyways well I, executed. I i want i didn't want to take up too much time with this but it was an amazing event imla you know puts on a yeah your photos made me jealous yeah, it was phenomenal, and I look forward to their 13th anniversary open house. So, yeah, um, cool. But, but oh, by more, the way, just out of curiosity, was there yeah. any were there icons up there? Were there any what? Icons? There was. There was a gray uh, yeah, 4S, but you oh. would have been you would have been the only turbo, and you would have been the only Mission E style one. That's cool. Sure. Yeah, she brought it up. Yeah, gotta do that. Yeah. Gotta do ne- that next time. Cool. Uh, so. Uh, moving on to what to me in my mind is a very big deal. It's a, you know, the new WRX got announced the 2022 WRX. And so they were kind of teasing it for a bit on social media, but they finally announced it. It's got a new 2.4 liter, uh, turbo flat four. Uh, the previous was only a two liter, but it only makes about three more horsepower and the torque peak is unchanged. Um, but the styling's quite a bit different than the old WRX, and yeah. um, the interior quality is a, supposedly a significant upgrade from the pictures. It, it looks like that's the case. It has really nice Recaro seats, and uh, it's got a manual option, but you can also get a CVT, which if you're ordering a WRX with a CVT, I don't know what, what to tell you. <laughs> I don't get a WRX. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm curious to know what you... I'll, I have my opinions, but I'm curious to know what you thought of it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I think it's edgy. I think it's cool looking, you know, I like the quad exhaust in the back. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, the interior needed an update and it looks like it got it. So that's pretty cool. It's interesting to me because one of the things that's, different i think is is the cladding Mm -hmm. Um, right there's a lot there's a lot of plastic cladding on it yeah over Um, kind of the wheel arches over the rear bumper yeah and kind of taking um, like design cues from the forester i feel like bingo bingo and that's that's a little different i don't know what to make of that i haven't really decided i mean Mm -hmm. if the thought is you know the it's i guess trying to like philosophically answer what is this car going for and if it's going for i'm a rally car Mm -hmm. then that kind of stuff probably makes sense if you're you know having rock you know rocks flying all over the place and stuff then Mm -hmm. that probably fits with that i mean it would make a hell of a lot of sense to me to have a bunch of big thick plastic cladding on it to, to protect that yeah but if it's you know just really kind of going after being a track car Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. And I and I think that maybe that's a look of Subaru just because of all the crossovers they've got and right. You know, the the Forester, so maybe it makes sense from that standpoint as like design language, but mm-hmm. I 
I kind of wonder what the enthusiasts of the WRX think of that. Um, yeah. Because it's different. Yeah. yeah, I will say, so, you know, I owned a 2011 STI, mm-hmm. and I feel like the WRX has gotten uglier with each generation. And yeah. this, for me, is no different. I, I don't know the padding <laughs> to me. So, so Subaru has not been involved in World Rally Championship in years. So they still do some like, you know, obviously they they sponsor different drivers to do different things, like Travis Pastrana doing the hill climbs. He has a he has a Subaru, you know, WRX STI that's obviously heavily modified. So they're still kind of involved in motorsports in that way. But I I feel like everything about this car is just kind of a train wreck. The cladding is I'll say from an exterior. The interior is not bad, aside from yeah. the gigantic Tesla touchscreen pad. Yeah. I don't really know, know what they're thinking there. Um, you know, this is not a Mercedes S Class. Like it's a WRX. No, know, it doesn't right? it doesn't need a giant tablet in the middle. Um, but you know, one, the ride height, it looks like they put a lift kit on it. <laughs> I agree. I, uh, I wasn't I didn't say anything about that because I wasn't sure if like historically that had been a trend, but it does look a little bit jacked up. And again, yeah. that kind of reminds me of a forester. So yeah, I, what are we doing here? Yeah. I because if you I, want a forester, you're gonna just buy a forester. But, <laughs> you're yeah. not gonna buy a sedan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is anybody car shopping that? <laughs> I mean, the vast majority of these cars are are bought and modified for yeah, street use exactly. so <laughs> you know and i don't think this cladding you could paint it i guess but like you know you can't somebody really actually did a, a mock-up of that on jalopnik uh it was actually oh, really? that was interesting was yes and uh i think it i agree with somebody's comment i think it made it look worse really? because then it just looks like there's all this tacked on you know, big fender crap and stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I don't think it fixed I, it. <laughs> I think the problem with the cladding is since it's dark, um, like the wheel well itself, it makes the it makes it look like there's an even bigger gap between the fender yeah. and the tire. So it looks yeah. like it's even more lifted than it probably <laughs> actually is. It's just, you know, are are we no longer the audience for this? Maybe we're no longer the audience for this. Maybe I. I feel like I'm still in the audience that wants a fun, reasonably priced performance car. Like I'm, I was actually, I was texting with our friend Dave, you know, that I was actually really excited to see the new WRX because maybe that, maybe I might get another STI when yeah, that cool. kind of reaches the end of its, its life. And, and so I was like, oh man, maybe if it's really good looking, like I might be in the market yeah. for another one because I still love the sound of that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I remember a... being in different levels of the parking ramp and hearing. And it. I knew when you were <laughs> pulling around because I'd hear yeah. this whoa. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, the boxer <laughs> engine is yeah, with with the I think it's like an equal length exhaust. It sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it does, but, yeah. You know, this just killed it. <laughs> and Subaru did a very Subaru the... thing. They didn't change like the power output basically at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is true. We got another point four liters in this, but you know, uh, yeah, nothing changed. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't in in a in a world where we have a new Supra, and we have a four hundred horsepower Nissan Z coming out, and we have a Toyota BRZ that that 
or I'm sorry, a, a Toyota GT86 slash Subaru BRZ that got a power bump. You know, they're still just being coy yeah. about giving the WRX real power. I don't really understand. Are they um, saving it all for the STI? The thing is that, well, at least the like my STI, <clears throat> it only had like 10 or 15 more horsepower than the WRX. It was mostly mm-hmm. like some engine and suspension tuning and then like the exterior aero bits. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wanted to like this car and then the yeah. fact that they basically made it look like a Forester sedan, it just kind of killed I it agree. for me. <laughs> I don't, that's what I don't understand. I mean, I just feel like those, that group of people is, they're not cross shopping these cars. So no, no, I, I don't. Yeah. And it's it's still basically a sedan, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still a four door sedan. I mean, I don't. I haven't seen them talking about doing a wagon version like the like the old ones. So, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so I think kind of a miss from Subaru. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure I'll see one in person, and you know, maybe I'll think differently. But and that's true. Like, I I do find that I'm guilty of that a lot. I will have very visceral negative reactions to things and then mm-hmm. it grows on me and so yeah. you take a leap of faith with some design changes in that you're mm-hmm. hopefully moving in the right direction yeah but you know sometimes they're just so pig-headed about it like the the big grills on the bmw, the BMW yeah that which they're getting rid of on the new three series thankfully i I saw that (laughs) you know which kind of does beg the question of is there an an, you know do they take that leap of faith and then end up saying like okay we overdid it yeah i I think there are times when the sales are so abysmal or the reaction is so abysmal that yeah you say okay like it's going to cost us hundreds of millions of dollars to retool some of this stuff but you know we've got to make any money on yeah. this. And so that'll be the question I think with the WRX is what do we see in sales? I mean, yeah. I, I don't think like if I saw this thing in the rear view mirror coming up behind me, I think I would know instantly that this is a WRX. So, yeah, it's still got the hood scoop. It's or, right. You know, it's still got I do some think of the that, I do think that um it's it still looks like a WRX in in my mind. And so the the true faithful are happy with this. I, I haven't haven't really been, you know, taking a dive in a forum or something to see what people are saying about it. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe in black you cancel out a lot of that cladding. Yeah. And um, you know, it looks good. But like you were saying, all the other colors are gonna kind of accent it. So mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. moving on to I think a quite a bit better looking <clears throat> car, thankfully. <laughs> um so at the uh, at the same uh, big motor show that uh, Mercedes debuted a lot of their new EQ, um, which is their EV line of cars. Porsche debuted the electric, all electric Mission R concept, which is you, you can think of in a, a similar shape to a Cayman, like what you'd imagine a Cayman GT4 RS would look like, something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, really aggressive, it's really wide, really low. And uh, it's got, interestingly, it's got two different modes. It's got a qualifying mode where you can get up to 1,073 <laughs> horsepower. And it's got a race mode uh, where it's tuned down to 671 horsepower to kind of preserve and prolong the battery life. 
Um, the zero to 62 time is less than two and a half seconds, and it can recharge from five to 80% in 15 minutes, thanks to its 900 volt architecture. Um, it's currently a running prototype. They're not scheduling it for production, but this is supposed to kind of be Porsche's idea of what customer racing cars will look like in the future. Basically, what their GT3 Cup cars and their GT4 right. Cup cars may look like, you know, once we're into an all EV future. Um, and I think it's a stunning car. One thing that I did want to mention and kind of get your thoughts on, because I think it does highlight limitations of EVs currently, is that it basically will burn through all its charge in 30 to 45 minutes of, of on-track action. So then we're going to have to come in pit for at least 15 minutes to get up to an 80% charge and go back out. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, but I think, I mean, this thing looks like unbelievable. I absolutely love the look of it. What did you think about it? Yeah, you know, I going back to your point, you know, I I haven't tracked a car, so I don't know what a typical track day is like. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if 45 minutes on track with a 15-minute pit is yeah. reasonable or unreasonable. Yeah, um, I think if you're talking about endurance racing... Yeah, right. You know, it's it's pretty much out of question for any real endurance racing. There there are things like sprint races that are like, you know, 10, 15, 20 laps. And, and you might be able to do a sprint race in 45 minutes. Okay. So that makes sense. Maybe there's, you know, I think it's still early days in this. <clears throat> yeah. And the fact that we're, I mean realistically in terms of auto manufacturers taking electric seriously how many years in are we compared to you know how many years have we been iterating on internal combustion engines sure yeah i think there's enough of a probably push enough of a demand for some breakthrough battery chemistries that will probably neutralize that you know Mm -hmm. within a decade i would guess yeah um now a 24-hour Le Mans, I'm not sure. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're probably still a ways from that, maybe. But <clears throat> from the standpoint, you know, I saw some posts on the Tycon forum. I go on that every once in a while mm-hmm. just to kind of see what's new and who's complaining about software issues. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody, I think their, you know, Twitter had posted an image of the the lights. Oh and, yeah. And so everyone was kind of speculating on what is this? What is this going to well, be? Because people have been waiting for people have been waiting for a GT4 RS for yeah. a while now. There've been spy shots and whatnot. Exactly. And so a lot of people were like, "Oh, maybe this will be the next, you know, the Cayman." Mm-hmm. And um, when it came out, it made sense. It it really kind of indicated to me that you know this stuff is really coming. You know. Yeah. Right. We're we're not spending hundreds of millions of dollars developing prototypes for no good reason. Yeah. And so it's, a, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about that, you know, because I've, I've kind of philosophically thought in my mind that EVs are tremendously useful as daily commuter cars. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, even long distance cruising, you know, they're very comfortable, Mm-hmm. And with like the lucid air, what did that get rated? Five hundred miles of yeah. range. I mean, yeah, we're not going to get to it. I don't think this week, but yeah, the lucid yeah. air first drives <clears throat> have kind of come out, and yeah, the official EPA rating I think was 
for their performance version. It wasn't even their long range version. Yeah. I think it was in the 500 some miles. It was <laughs> so insane. that's like, that's literally one stop. And I, I'm sure that car is going to charge really quick too. Sure. One stop for your lunch break. Uh, you're covering a thousand miles in a day with that thing. Yeah. Like you're going from Minnesota to you're Florida. <clears throat> yeah. You're done. Like you don't need any more range than that. Right. And so, um, to see the EV start to kind of creep into your arena. Yeah. Um, with the, I still have a little bit of mixed feelings about that because I'm, you know, I'm kind of a weird duality. I, I really like EVs. Um, I really like them for my kind well, of daily your, your current. I commented on that when I went to your house the other day and saw your current garage. You've got a, a 2002 in one bay and a Ticon Turbo. The <laughs> yeah, other bay. yeah. Yeah, 2002 that, you know, a TI. So it didn't it didn't meet emissions requirements. Right, yeah, yeah. So they didn't bring it over here. Yeah. It doesn't <clears> even so, have electronic fuel injection. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm excited to see this. It's it's neat to but it's also like the bell is tolling a little bit that we are yeah. these companies are taking this very seriously. Mm-hmm. They're investing a lot of money in it and yeah. we're going to probably get to a point uh, i don't know when mm-hmm. we're going to go to a racetrack it's going to be a little bit eerily silent it'll just be tire noise lots yeah. of whining electric motors yeah <laughs> i don't know how i, I feel know. about that it's like a big, it's like watching a big rc car race yeah I, <laughs> I, you know I, what so, i'm saying so two two things that that i thought about because you mentioned you know we we touched on like could you do endurance racing i there's one thing I didn't think about is if you had if you developed a swappable battery architecture True. Yeah. where you could for you could hit in and literally trade out the battery trays. Yeah. And then have it's you know one set thought. of batteries on the charger and the other in the race cart. That could it's work. Um I mean you gotta feel those things up. So the other but the problem there is, you know, you've mentioned before when you're hitting these things with the maximum juice to get the fast recharge time that degrades the battery life of the, of the batteries as a yeah. whole. But in, in motorsport, yeah, you know, and that might be a not. testing platform for battery endurance, you know? Yeah. When you look at those races, you could say, okay, swapping out a battery is not practical for me to show up to quick trip. Yeah. And like, that's icon. And now it's right. a battery. But if like, you know, an Audi was, running the the diesels Mm -hmm. it was you know kind of proof of concept and so maybe your point is spot on maybe they'll come to le mans and you know have an endurance race for evs and we're testing battery endurance capability cooling yeah Uh, this battery can take us x number of laps Mm -hmm. with this new chemistry and this voltage cooling i mean but yeah we're swapping them you know yeah you're not going to find a more demanding experience for a car technology than the mall so yeah. i mean that's that would be the place to test it but yeah you know so that's one point the other thing is is i think your point is well taken about racing you know the sensation of speed and everything is very exciting on a racetrack but the memories i have from driving road america are the sound of my car on the front straight for sure just 100%. slamming through <clears throat> gears and then you know slowing down hard in that first corner hard on the brakes and just the you know sound of the car downshifting aggressively and and dripping the throttle and that 
that entire component of the experience is gone in an EV. And it becomes much more becomes more and more like playing a video game. You know, like yeah. yes, you're experiencing the G forces on your body, all that stuff is still there. But I think it 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 will be missing something. You know, yeah, and, and I and I don't know that <clears throat> I think probably our generation is going to be tasked with where reasonable trying to convert your automotive experience to EV. If mm-hmm. that's a family that owns two cars and, you know, Once the husband, EV. yeah, needs a truck for, or maybe we could say the wife's a contractor and needs a big ass truck for all her stuff. And yeah. the husband can drive an EV because he's just he got to, an office you know, job every day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. maybe that's, you know, what our generation is tasked with is, is kind of coming up with those solutions where we use EVs where reasonable. And yeah. maybe it's, maybe it's not a reasonable expectation for our generation who's grown up with this mm-hmm. <clears throat> to expect us to become comfortable with this move away from internal combustion on racetrack. And maybe that's for the next generation to sit in your car and just be like, that was the worst experience of us. (laughs) I don't think I can hear anymore. (laughs) You know, yeah, it's stinky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, we shouldn't feel bad about that. That will be a generational thing. Like you get to, you get around a racetrack and you smell race gas and rubber and, <laughs> yeah. and, and like it's instant it's like you were talking about getting your 2002 like it smelled like your childhood yeah so in you a weird way because it's like god this reminds me of my grandparents yeah it's it's this instant connection and we have yeah, that. oh it's like i haven't smelled that in two decades right but but i i think as kids you know like yeah. you know like as kids grow up with their parents having teslas and Icons yeah, and the model plaid on the wall for their poster. It's yeah, a different game. Yeah, they're gonna the the concept it, it will they won't necessarily know what they're missing. And they may not they may not miss exactly. it even if they did know, but they won't know necessarily how amazing uh you know a yeah. flat six at nine thousand RPM sounds. Like they just that's not something they're particularly care about with a car. You know, they like, or, you know, going to like a formula one race when you were a kid yeah, and, and seeing, you know, Schumacher and you just remember or mm-hmm. um, Senna and you just remember these names and you remember the sounds. Yeah. And it's, yep. it's just like a part of your history. Well, yeah, it shows how you important know? sounds are to us in terms of as automotive enthusiasts, you know, like, when the newest generation of formula one cars came out, that was the single biggest complaint. They were the, they were the fastest F1 cars of all time because of the amazing downforce. People were like, they sound terrible, you know, yeah. <laughs> compared yeah. to the old cars. And, and, and it actually, a lot of people believe that's why F1 viewership dropped to some degree was, was because Interesting. it just sounds. Well, yeah. Out. What was the, um, what the, was it the IDR or something like that? The Volkswagen? Yeah, yeah, the one that won, like, that basically set every track record at every (laughs) thing it went to. Did you ever listen to that thing going around the track? Yeah, so Chris Harris did super weird. Yeah, Chris Harris did a video for Top Gear going around the track. I mean, it just hums. You can hear the hum when he starts it. (laughs) 
It's like and a cartoon it, car or something. Yeah, it's it's just all electrical mechanical Wee! sounds. Yeah. <laughs> You just hear the, the the electric motors whirring away and yeah. cooling systems engaging. And it's just really, yeah, it's yeah. very bizarre. I mean, that's just sums it up. So, like, <clears throat> we've talked about this before, but, you know, my, my neighbor's got um, a Firebird that he's mm-hmm. been restoring. He bought it 30 years ago, and he's been going through it, and it's numbers matching. Mm-hmm. And, man... When that baby fires up, it literally rocks the neighborhood. I mean, the <laughs> yeah. entire neighborhood. I'm in yeah. my house and I know it's wow. operational. <laughs> yeah. It probably doesn't handle very it's, well. It's probably yeah, not that yeah, no, yeah. anymore. Fast in a straight line and loud as hell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's the experience, you yeah. know. And so you cannot like conceivably electrify that. And no. Formula One, I mean, again, it kind of comes back to a a generational thing and that part of that's yeah. one of the reasons i wonder why we have you know we have formula e is yeah younger drivers this integration with video games trying mm-hmm. to capture this next generation so eventually when they get forced to move to electric that yeah. generation's like okay that's okay it's not a big deal kind of gotten used to it yeah 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 i think you're right um <clears throat> so i get i guess time will tell but uh so I'm excited you know, to see this because yeah. it does mean that, you know, the Taycan Porsche electrification mm-hmm. is not an afterthought. No. You know, if they're pumping in this kind of money, yeah. they see the possibility that these cars will World be Corporation. replacing these cup cars potentially at some point. Yeah, I, I think it is a harbinger of things to come. Uh, and, I, you know, and it could be very exciting. I think it's just a matter a matter of time will tell i i i think it's hard to imagine that the getting in one and driving it may be very exciting but currently it's exciting to both drive and watch a dt3 car flying around a track yeah Yeah. i wonder how exciting this will be to watch you know that's my only question so i guess we'll we'll question but yeah so i think we're going to save the eq mercedes eq discussion for another episode um and probably tie in with some of the lucid air stuff since that that's a good idea um you know kind of similar ideas extending range in these high-end luxury cars um so you know maybe the next time we're uh, absent formula one race we'll we'll uh, recap some of the stuff so thank you all so much for listening um We'll we'll be back next week. I believe there is a Formula One race next week. I have not looked at this. I yet. believe you're correct. Um, but I think there is. So um, we'll certainly be recapping that. And um, until then, be sure to check us out on Instagram at the Blofeld Podcast. Um, you know, subscribe to us, rate us, review us on iTunes and Podbean. All that stuff really helps. And until then, we'll see you next week.